Smith Falls. This is on times three. It's number three. It's episode three. We're a trio. We're a trilogy. We're a trifecta. We're not going to stop there. But you know what they say? One, well, one's just one. And two, well, that's just a coincidence. But three, three, my friends, is a pattern. And that is what we have done here with our episode today, released on July 15th, is we have set our pattern, folks. We are releasing episodes every two weeks-ish, twice a month, the 1st and the 15th, folks. Look out for number four coming out, guess when? Guess when? August 1st. You got it, folks. The 1st and the 15th. You see how that works? We've set our pattern. Welcome. We are Smith Falls on a podcast for Smith Falls by Smith Falls, all about Smith Falls, where I talk to people from Smith Falls about a lot of things, but about Smith Falls too. We cover a lot of topics. It's a long-form conversational podcast. We like to see where it takes us. We like you to feel like you're here in the room with us, a fly on the wall for some good, friendly conversation with people important to our town. That's that's this show in a nutshell, at least so far. You got other ideas for our show? Send them in. We want to hear them. Who should we have on next? Tell me. Reach out. We got social media. Tell us. Tell me who I should be interviewing next. In fact, this next guest, I'm going to be honest, I probably would have wound up inviting her anyway, but she was suggested very strongly when I did my last public callout for guests. Now, that's not surprising because she feeds everybody. First thing in the morning, you want a slice of bread? You want a yummy coffee? You want a scone or a muffin or delicious cinnamon bun? some of that good, fresh-baked comfort food, well, you know where you're going. Say two. And this is none other than Amy Rensby. She is a dear friend of mine, and she's actually one of the first people I ever met when I myself moved to this town. She feeds our stomachs and our hearts and our souls, I think it is safe to say. Amy from Seitu. So it is a pleasure to have her on the show today. But before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about our sponsors. Back again is Smith's Falls Pedal and Paddle. My friend Bill, call him Bill, call him Will. He spends a lot of time down by the water, just waiting for good folk to come along. And he doesn't have to wait long. He does a lot of waiting again and again because people keep coming back. People keep coming back for his canoes, his kayaks, and especially his stand-up paddleboards because they're so fun and so easy. The prices are great, but the prices get even better when you rent from Smith's Falls Pedal and Paddle if you use our coupon code. All you got to do is whisper it to Bill. Just let him know you're in the know. Podcast 15. Just tell him Podcast 15. Smith Falls Pedal and Paddle is an excellent way to share some family fun down on the Rito. You can go, you can buy a pass to get through the locks. You can go up through the swale and watch the sunset. All sorts of great fun along the water. Pick your poison. You got canoes, kayaks, and paddle boards. Uh, Bill also rents some bikes if you want to get around the town. We got some great bike paths in this town, some uh, bike lanes downtown to get around, and uh, the Cataraqui Trail that gets you all the way to Kingston. Go see Bill. He'll take care of you. Or you can find him on social media, Pedal Paddle SF on Instagram or Facebook, at Pedal Paddle SF. Uh, reach out to Bill. He'll tell you all about it. The info's on the website. You can book online. Do it. What are you waiting for? 
And back again for this episode is Mighty Valley Coffee, MightyValleyCoffee.com. You can go there and order, or you can go down to Four Degrees Brewing in the mall where they have their roastery. Smith's Falls Podcast is the coupon code to use. Smith's Falls Podcast at MightyValleyCoffee.com. Order your coffee online and save 10%. It is local. It is fresh. It is gourmet coffee. I drink it every morning. It's really delicious, folks. They know what they're doing there. They roast good beans. Cool beans. Save 10% on us. Buy some coffee. They got a whole variety. If you like a light roast, they got delicious light roast. They got their house blend, and they got their dark matter dark roast. That's one of my faves. Go check them out. They're local. They're great. MightyValleyCoffee.com. Use the coupon code Podcast. Love it, folks. Okay. Here we go. We're going to get right to it. This is episode three with Amy Ransby. Uh, so we're recording. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Yeah, we're on. Cool. The microphones are on. And now you're on the spot. Amy, on the spot. Here you are. Here Welcome. I am. Welcome Th- to my little cave here. It's pretty cool. This is where I do things. I remember being in this room when it was a yoga room. It looks very different. Oh right yeah! Now. Did you take yoga here? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, like it's mostly paint. It's mostly paint and carpets and curtains. There's uh, a lot of stuff in here, though. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. We brought our piano. Got some drums here. Mm. My mandolin. Some of my guitars. My old studio was a lot bigger, so it's a challenge to fit everything. The in old here. studio was the church, right? Yes. Yes. It was, which is kind of, sort of, kind of how we first met. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was Jen Miller sent you my way. Yeah, you really need to meet Amy the Baker. (laughs) And I was kind of like, okay, why? Yeah, why? And yeah, she was like, well, she owns like an old church like you do. I was like, oh, I see. Then we will have lots to talk about. (laughs) Lots in common. And that was was the Ivy. It was the Ivy, yeah. The Ivy on William. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a great little old building. So most people in town... I think know you at this um, point <laughs> probably <laughs> or who you are because you feed them i do yeah 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 it comes with the territory i yeah, guess but they didn't always know you no where did you come from i moved from ottawa yeah. 14 years ago has it been that long yeah yeah i always think it's been 12 but i guess that's when you first told me two years ago yeah I yeah i guess so that would make sense that math makes sense so that f- 2000 and don't ask me to do the math. Um, neither one of us is apparently good at the math. No, I was I was giving you the floor. <laughs> oh, no, 2007? I 2007? Yeah. That's when you moved yeah. here. Yeah. How long have you been baking? Uh, well, I mean, since I was a kid. Serious I've been cooking baking, and, though. No, like, um, serious <laughs> baking. I'm not talking easy bake oven shit here. Yeah, so I opened the bakery in 2016, and I probably started baking, I mean, Seriously, not professionally, but seriously at home. I don't know, maybe four or five years earlier. Right. Yeah. It was a hobby. Yeah, I can see that. But people tend to, that's a hobby that really starts to consume people. Mm -hmm. My brother bakes a lot. Oh, does he? He loves to bake. He takes it very seriously. For me, it was, um, so I was a consultant. I was a consultant and... uh, A baking consultant? No, like an IT consultant. An IT consultant. I was an IT consultant. interesting. I never knew this side of you, Amy. Yes, I was a a good old federal public servant. Mm. And then I went on to consulting in the IT sector, which was, you know, 
super fun, interesting stuff. So what kind of IT did you work with? Uh, CRM. CRM stuff. Siebel systems in particular. Yeah. Like C- what does CRM stand for? Customer Relationship Management. Right. Yeah. Right. I so, knew I had heard that term before. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really not meaningful in the context of what systems actually do, but uh, I was the translator between the business folks and the IT folks, so your developers and people actually doing the work, because they typically don't understand each other. Yeah, you always need those people. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. scene like that in the office. You remember that guy in the office? Yes, I do. The guy who, what does he do? He invents that game. And now you're going back a jump, long time ago. Jump to conclusions. <laughs> it's a it's a jump to conclusions <laughs> yeah. board. Yes, that that's guy. exactly what it is. And he's like, oh, I talk to the engineers. Yes. Because they don't know how to talk to people. They but don't. it's true because I've worked yep. in tech. Yep. And engineers are, don't know how to talk to you. Need. Did you know that my husband's an engineer? I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. What, what kind of engineer? Mechanical by mm. trade. But he is also in the IT sector. Yeah. So. Yeah, he used to have lots of fun playing at GM and all those interesting places. So do you have to do a lot of translating for him? Sometimes. And, and yeah. other people? <laughs> Especially when we're talking about baking and food and restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was my, that was my, I call it my former career. Yeah. And then you just upped and started baking. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I have an uncle who did that too, actually. Really? Yeah. He, um, he just up and started baking. He yeah. used to be like a, he was in marketing mm-hmm. and then he just up and became like a, a wine buyer. Oh, that's cool. Because he liked wine. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And then he, uh, and then he just started baking. Uh, I guess he liked eating bread with his wine. And uh, see, I always went for the more challenging stuff. I always, I still do. I get bored very, very easily. Mm-hmm. And so I always headed for the more challenging stuff. And baking became. I didn't really like baking growing up. I liked cooking right. way more. Yeah. And uh, but baking was a challenge. It takes some patience, but I got really bored, and so. The work I was doing at the time was pretty high stress, high demands. And uh, that was my form of relaxation was I'm going to figure out baking. So what is your personal favorite area of baking then? Oh, gosh. Like sourdoughs? Mm. No, you're not a sourdough person? It's an emerging thing for me. More into pastries? You like? I love pastries? pastries and cakes and desserts. Like, you know, a really, but the really simple classic stuff, like a French clafouti. Something like that. Mm-hmm. That's stuff I love. My brother made me one of those last really? year. Really? They're good, eh? I think I'm thinking of the right thing. It's like, it's almost like a custard with cherries. Usually that's traditionally cherries. Yeah, 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 that's what he made. So good. It was like booze infused, I yes. think. His, yeah. Yeah, there usually is. Yeah, yeah, yep. it was good. The good yeah, French really way. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We told the kids it was fancy French toast. I mean, yeah, kind of. They just needed a base reference point, but it was delicious. <laughs> what is they, this that I mean? They saw all the powdered sugar over it, and that was That's all the, a convinc- the convincing they, they really a needed. So yeah, that kind of stuff. Creme brulee, clafouti, those kinds of things are my favorites. And now you're in a big new place. Mm-hmm. How's that feel? Tell me about it. I mean, you told me about it before, but tell me again. <laughs> yeah, tell the people listening. So yeah, we just moved into a new space in a beautifully restored old hotel that was on the verge of falling down in Smith Falls. It's about twice the size square footage wise. The folks at Parkview custom designed it, custom built it for us. And uh, it's a joy to be in. It has its moments, you know, you were still trying to figure out where things need to live. Yeah. Um, where, you know, we thought they would live in this particular spot and they don't necessarily live well there. So yeah. we're doing a bit of reorganizing and figuring it out. But 
yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful space to be in. There's always working out the kinks. You always got to work out the kinks, but your old space was Mm -hmm. fine. It was, it was wonderful. It's, it was just a rectangle. It was, and it wasn't built for, for a food space. And honestly, when I opened the bakery, I, you know, I had this thought, I remember doing the business planning and going, okay, so if we get 10 people for lunch and, you know, 15 cakes a month and yeah, awesome. I can pay the rent and pay the bills and we're good. Mm -hmm. And I did not anticipate, um, just how busy we would become. And so, you know, over time we kind of outgrew that space, the, the, Plumbing wasn't sufficient and the electrical. We kept blowing breakers and things like that. It's kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was a wonderful space. And, you know, we had a really solid five years there. Now, we've mentioned like baking breads mm-hmm. and pastries mm-hmm. in that more limited scope that people often think about when they think baking or a bakery. Yep. But you do a lot more than that. We do. Tell me. Because my first love was cooking. Yeah. I love cooking too. So we do lunches and you know, salads and soups and lunch specials. And Do you got some new stuff on the go in the, from the new space? Is that you expanding that, uh, that area of business? We sure are. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things I always wanted to do was expand to do some dinner stuff or small plates, you know, evening kind of stuff. And so as we get settled, we'll be venturing more into that space. And so, we started that a little bit. Yeah. In our old space, we started doing Friday night dinner club through COVID and the pandemic. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a market test for, do people even want this? <laughs> Would they? people go for this? It was, they did. it was super popular. Yeah. We were doing, you know, upwards of 60, 75 dinners a week. Awesome. On just on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, kind of looks like a good idea. With the pandemic, the pandemic was shit for everybody. Uh, yeah. But dare I say it was, I mean, on a business level, not so shit for you. I mean, you got to stay open. We did get to stay open. So that was a huge advantage. And I mean, from my perspective, as somebody who lives in this community Mm -hmm. and also shops at the bakery, I think, I mean, there's something about food, right? That comforts people. Very much so. And I think there's also something to know that like you're eating the same fresh food that your friends are <laughs> down the street at the same time. Even, even maybe you're not together. You're kind of still breaking bread. Kind of, you're yeah. still kind of breaking bread together. You know? It is. There's uh yeah, there is this, there is this nurturing side of, of food, right. That I don't know. They talk a lot about, you know, how food can trigger memories and they can trigger sentiments and emotions mm-hmm. and all those, all those good things. And I think that, when you encounter those foods that are familiar or, you know, your grandmother used to make it like this, like our cinnamon buns are, are crazy popular because of that. It's like somebody's grandma used to make them exactly that way. And so there's a sentimental element to what we do for people. And there is this sense of family or belonging or, or commonality that comes with really simple food that is people just love. I think that's why I like breakfast so much. Oh my God. Breakfast is my favorite. Bacon and sausages. Potatoes. I've been at my cottage for the past couple of days. And I've mm-hmm. woken up every morning and made a whole big thing of breakfast sausages <laughs> for the whole family that's up there. Because we can be again now. My brother just came up from New York. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. We're not out of the woods entirely yet, but. That's major progress. Yeah. 
Major, major progress. Very good progress. Yeah. We've had people, you know, so in our new space, we've got this patio and which has been really wonderful. And we've been talking to so many people and people are having that same kind of feeling and sentiment. Like, you know, we're not quite there yet, but wow, does it ever feel good to be sitting out with other people and being out with other people? Definitely. Do you think, do you think we're actually out of the woods? Mm. What do you think? I feel like we, I feel like in March or wherever, like I've lost track of time, honestly. I just <laughs> yeah. lost track of time. And I stopped really even paying attention to the news. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm at home alone until, you know, os- osmosis tells me I'm not because I'm not even paying attention to the news anymore. Yeah. I don't even care anymore. And I'm just, but what I don't want is to be told, all right, now it's for real, this time for real again. And be let down. I'd rather just keep my head down. I agree. You know? I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Cautious optimism is, I think, where I'm at. Because, because the prospect of having to slow this all down again or shut it all down is just shit to think about. I feel the same way. I, I, I think a lot of people probably do. We're... We're we're as hopeful as we are at this point because the alternative is just so <laughs> you don't want to think about think it. About it. <laughs> like don't, don't want to think about it. Think about it. So nope. I think that is that like the definition of like some form of denial. It's <laughs> probably, denial, right? probably. It's, it's certainly a defense mechanism. Yeah. Just don't look at it. Yeah. Just don't think about it. Yeah. Pretend. And I mean, I think for business owners in particular, it's just this. You ever you know, seen that cartoon? That's like it's like a drawing of a dog and he's holding a cup of, co- cup of coffee and he's he's feigning a smile on his face yeah. and he's really in hell and there's fire burning everywhere around him yeah. and his little thought bubble says, You're like, I'm fine. This is fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. yeah, I think most business owners on the on the surface are like, you know, I, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm mostly good. <laughs> and then, but underneath there is this raging, I, I don't know if we're good. I, I think we're good. Yeah, because um, we're in Ontario too. Like we, I don't want to, it's not a contest, but I no. feel like we've had a shittier deal than some other places. Yeah, I was just talking to someone who was in BC last week. They're like, oh yeah, we're in the restaurant, you know, we're <laughs> not wearing masks and we're doing all the things and I'm just like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, my brother's down in New York. Well, he just came up, like I mentioned, but he's been down in New York City and he's like going to the gym and they're oh, yeah. open and going to restaurants yeah. and shows and con- like they're just back to normal. Oh, back to, totally back to normal. And he has a cold. He's like, hey, yeah, everybody in New York has a cold. We all have a cold. We're, and <laughs> yeah. it's like they're happy to have a cold. Right. That they don't have to Because they don't have to wear masks it. anymore. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, I think we all get it and you know, yes, it's, it, they're all the right things to do for the right reasons, but holy man, is it ever getting tiresome? I would love to not be working in my kitchen with a mask on in 45 degree heat outside. Yeah. <laughs> like it's hot in the building too. Yeah. I really just miss being able to go places and eat at restaurants. I yeah. miss that. I miss that. Going to see shows, music. Yeah. Oh, I really miss, I really miss, I really miss my Bowie's Friday night's music. Yeah. Or any night's music, really. Well, they start up, they start up soon. Saturday? I think I saw Saturday. Yeah. Jazz night? Yeah, yeah, jazz night. Yeah. The Beach Whalers are back at Bowie's. Yeah. I think. I'm just thrilled that it's possible. Yeah. Right? I'm just thrilled that you could go in and listen to live music again. 
you probably know because you you have capacity for people to eat. Like mm-hmm. what what do you? Allow oh yeah, pe- that starts Friday. What are people allowed in? There, so we're allowed. You're my source for the news. Here You're right source I wasn't for the joking news. when I say I ignore the news. No, it's just me you listen to for news. That's yeah, something. right in this moment. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so, yeah, this Friday, dine-in stuff starts. I think there's still a lot of anxiety for people being indoors. But there is also this sense of, oh, I'm, I'm just done with this and I'm going to sit indoors. Right? Yeah. Like it's this... I think we'll get used to it again pretty quick. We've got yeah. a long history of being human mm-hmm. and we'll get back to it pretty quick, but it's certainly an adjustment. I keep noticing, like, I notice it the most when I watch TV shows. Oh, really? And it might be a show that was filmed pre-COVID mm-hmm. or something, but like, I'll just see like two people hugging in a TV show. Oh, I'm like, yeah. what are you and doing? <laughs> you can't. You can't what's, you, what's happening? You That's can't not do allowed. That. That's so not COVID. Not allowed. Yeah, it's what is it? Uh, I keep seeing, I keep seeing memes everywhere. The Kevin Bacon, you know, mm. y- you can't dance, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that is exactly how it feels. No, 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 you can't do that. No, no, no there not that either. There will be no dancing. <laughs> there will be no singing. No hugging. No high fiving. No handshaking. These no. are the devil's playthings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very weird. And to think, you know, I was thinking about it today. It's like 16 months, 16 or 17 months yeah, of, it's a long time. of this. And I was like, holy. I feel like it's kickstarted a lot of stuff into the future. A lot of stuff, a lot of places that things were going anyway. Online shopping. Online shopping. Yeah. Curbside delivery. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Working from home. Working from home is a big one. So as that federal public servant, former federal, federal public servant, oh my God, not in a million years would you have been allowed to work from home. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't see your bum in that seat, you can't possibly be working. Right? Yeah, what a shift! I've always heard that federal s- civil servants type people don't do a lot of work. Is that true? No, no. There's they do always a lot of work. it's like anything else, right? Any other profession. But the ones who choose to be lazy, they never get fired. That's what I hear. Yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, is that that part? That is that part is not. True? That part is not so necessarily given that, untrue. Given that condition, a cesspool can form, right? You, know, you were one of the good ones. I, I believe that. I honestly, I've seen you work. I've I honestly seen your think work they're ethic. few and far between. Honest to God. You know, in, even in the federal government, I think they're few and far between those people. I mean, the vast majority what about work their like, butts off. What about like end of the year Purchasing. Purchasing. What about that crap? Oh, God. Used to drive me nuts. Just to use up the budget or we won't get it next year? You don't want to get penalized next year. Right. Yeah. Everybody knows about that. Everybody Everybody does. Everybody talks about it. Nobody ever does anything about it. No. I want to see a politician. Tackle that. Campaign with that being his main issue. Oh, yeah. No more wasteful spending. Don't go buy laptops at the end of the year. Garbage crap to use up budgets. Yeah. That would be such a unifying issue by liberals and conservatives alike. It sends me down the rabbit hole of my former career. Like I just, it's insane the amount of waste. And I mean, it's one of the, it was one of the reasons why I left the public service, right? I just didn't feel like, you know, public service by definition is public service a year. It's like, okay, so I will spend six months working on a policy for a change in leadership to then file 13 into the recycle bin yeah okay inefficiencies that bothered you oh yeah you brought me some whiskey i did and my glasses Scott. almost 
empty. Oh, you need more. Yeah, I would take more. (laughs) I would take more. I can fix that. Yeah. Excellent. Good form on behalf of Amy bringing the uh, scotch. Um, I am a scotch drinker myself. I wouldn't quite call myself a connoisseur. Not at this oh, point. Oh, I am totally not. But but uh, I do love scotch. I do have a I do have a taste for it. I do have a palate for it, and I, and I do have my preferences. Um, and I really like this one. Actually. It's really nice. Eh? So do you is... know how it's said? Is it Jura? Uh, I think it's it Jura. Jura. Jo- I... Or is it Hura? But that's an excellent question. I don't know. Now I'm thinking about Star Trek. You a Star Trek fan? Yes. Like original Star Trek, or more of a TNG fan? No, even original. Yeah. Yeah. Original is your favorite? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they're all they're all different. They're really different. TNG is right? my favorite. Yeah. They're definitely all different. Mm-hmm. TNG is definitely my favorite by far. Picard. Picard absolutely. is great. Riker. Yeah. Data. <laughs> I feel Deanna like Troy. Yeah. I feel like the first one was the first one. And uh-huh. It will always be that. But I feel like in many ways it was like the practice version and TNG was like... Took it off. Where Star Trek really got good. Mm-hmm. There was always the science behind yes. it. There was pretty good character development, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I think Voyager focused on character development above all else, all else by far. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Deep Space Nine was like a little grittier. I, I didn't bother. That wasn't a, you know. I wasn't so hot on either. No. What brought me in was just that they, they brought in like all that crossover, but they put Worf on it. Yes. They put O'Brien on it. I love mm-hmm. O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. He's my boy. <laughs> yeah. That one. But I fell so off though. it. I fell off it. Wormhole. Yeah. It was too political. It was so political. Yeah. I mean, but so many shows went that route, right? got political but in a way that was it was it wasn't even an it wasn't really an allegory for anything because it wasn't like taking like a real situation and making commentary on it It was just like these people are always tense and hate each other and they don't actually do (laughs) any what's the point of this show again they don't do (laughs) any exploring in this one remember (laughs) how the whole whole thing about star trek is exploring the unknown these people just exploring and learning and yeah, <laughs> fighting with each other. How about that? How about yeah. that for a twist? They don't go anywhere. <laughs> they, we've ditched the exploration altogether, and we're just going to hate on each other. Yeah, no, not so fun. What's your favorite kind of scotch? I particularly enjoy the peatier scotches. So Lafroig, the Glenlivet. I'm a big fan of those ones myself. Yeah. My family, less so. <laughs> Brian's a scotch drinker, so is my dad. But Auchentoshan, have you had Auchentoshan? I don't think I have. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very peaty. Yep. Nice. We had a friend of ours was in Scotland. Oh, this maybe a handful of years ago. And she brought us back a bottle of Abunar and opened that sucker up, poured a glass, and it was like rocket fuel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little much even for me. Um, still good. Still very good. But yeah, it was like fire. <laughs> I think one of the most flavorful ones I've tried was a, it was an 18-year-old Highland Park. Mm. Tried that at Whiskey Live, whiskey tasting event in Toronto. Oh, fun. We had a couple of whiskey tasting events here. First few years we moved here. These, Where did those happen? So one was at what is now the Parks Canada building. They used to be the Rideau Canal Museum. Mm-hmm. So they've got this really great auditorium down in the basement. And uh, so they did you know, like your typical scotch education session yeah. uh, down there. And then they did a tasting upstairs 
and uh, it was fantastic. All sorts of brands come in and set up their booths? No, it's a company, um, I think it's a husband and wife duo, that actually, they, they do these, they deliver these wine tasting events. Interesting. And yeah, they're, they're super good. I think that was my first exposure to scotch. And <laughs> it was... Yeah, so you had to reserve your seats and pay for your seats. And there were a couple of empty seats beside ours, but they still got their scotch boards. So right. so we had a really good time kind of absconding with the scotch and the empty seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like rainy, cold night in the fall. So it was perfect. A perfect example of, you know, the benefits of scotch. Right. Of course. Yes. That warm you up from the inside. Perfect. So as somebody who's been here since roughly 2007. Mm-hmm. What are you looking forward to most on the horizon? Mm. There's a lot of stuff happening. They're building a lot of houses. A ton of houses. Most people are going to need stuff to do. They are going to need stuff to do. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it has changed so much in the 14 years that we've been here. And we're like a blip on the radar compared to, you know, people have been here much, much longer. Yeah, you're still not a real townie. No. Not in some people's eyes. No. Somebody told me that you had to be here for at least 25 years before you got that, before you got that designation. I don't even know if that's true. I think you're... Unless you're born here. Yeah. Then, and then, then, you, then you can be a townie at nine. Yeah. Oh, totally. There's no 25-year barrier there. I know a couple of nine-year-old townies. Yeah. They're the best kids. Yeah, we moved here and I think it was like six or eight months later, everything started to close. Right. Like Hershey's and yeah. everything else. And Did you have the impression that it was a town on the rise at that point? No. <laughs> but, you, but you were hoping for a little more stability at the time. Honestly, that wasn't even a consideration, to be totally honest. We right. bought a house here because it was way cheaper than yeah. in Ottawa. Yeah. We got this big, beautiful Victorian house for a fraction of the price that we would have paid in Ottawa. Yeah. And because we were both consulting at the time, we you knew we were both driving. Yeah. And so... Who cares? We don't need to rely on public transport. So what's an hour's drive? So when did you stop commuting? Oh, seven years ago. And Brian stopped shortly after I did. Right. So right around the time you opened the bakery? Yeah. It was about a year before. Because you were doing... Catering before that. Some other catering. Yeah. So out of my little church over on William Street. Magnolia. Magnolia. Hmm. One of my first jobs was at Tweed with Magnolia. Yeah. There's a, a, a nice kitchen in that place. I love that kitchen. Do you know much about the people who bought that place from you? I don't. I, mean, I see well, some beautiful gardens yeah. out front, though. The place definitely looks loved. Yeah. Which, you know, when I sold it, that was that was my number one concern was just, hopefully it's for somebody to love it. There's always that element, or not always, but often that element. I remember when we sold, I sold my house in Kitchener, yep. and then we got our friend and neighbor sent us a text like nine months later mm-hmm. that was a picture of the fact that the new owner had just decimated our gardens oh, no. in the front lawn. Ooh. And Were mean, there tears? Almost. Oh, yeah, I feel on like. On her part. Yeah. I, mean, I was less attached to them. I'm not the gardening type as much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I mean, it's his house. He bought it. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah. But there was still that. She's like, why? Why would you do why that? Why would you do that? Yeah. Like, to me, why would you do yeah. that? My friend's mom turned down an offer on her house once just because she overheard the people talking about like some of the changes they were going to do. Some to of it? the changes they were going to make just yeah. to the decorating. She's like, no, no, 
you're not getting my house. (laughs) Hard no. Get out of here. (laughs) Goodbye. Yeah, I was nervous about that because it's such a, it's such a historic building, right? And it has a historic significance in this town. And so it was really nervous selling it like, oh, what are they going to do to it? And yeah, you know, when I sold mine, I felt bad because when I first bought it, I got really drunk one night (laughs) and started talking to the house. Oh, and I promised the house Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't fuck up its face. Oh yeah. I was like, I'm not, whatever, I might make some changes to you, but don't worry. We're on the same side. Yeah. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm not going to mess up your face. Yeah. And now I don't know what the new new owners have done. They put them, they might've put vinyl siding over all of it. And I hate vinyl siding. Well, and I, you know, there's, I don't know. I think old buildings deserve special consideration. Like vinyl siding doesn't belong on. Anything. Well, okay. Yeah. Anything. I agree. I totally agree. But especially on old buildings, they deserve better. They do. I think so. Yeah. There's something, uh, some people just don't like old shit. I You're love absolutely old right. Shit. I love old stuff. Yeah. And that, I got that from my mom. Uh-huh. And I, I didn't get it when I was a kid. Yeah. I'd be running down the hallway and I, <laughs> I'd stub my toe on her like non-functioning antique spinning wheel. <laughs> what is this doing and here? Why is this here? You don't spin... Who are you, Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I get it now. I get it. It's a window into the past and all that shit. I get it now. It is. And it's funny, you know, so one of the reasons, one of the reasons I actually wanted to buy the house that we saw, and this was the house that we are in is the first house we saw when we started looking around here. And the reason I wanted to buy it was because it had a front staircase and a back staircase. Mm-hmm. And my great grandmother's boarding house in the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan, had a front staircase and yeah. a back staircase. And, and it was just like this irrational, sentimental, well, that's just like great grandma's house. I need to have this. I need to have this house. And yeah, there's just something, again, it's like that memory trigger thing, right? Like there's yeah. something about it that just draws you in. Yeah. One thing I've always needed to have in my houses is uh, is like a loop. Oh, to run. I need to be able to walk a circle. Oh. Like through different rooms. Yep. Not one circle in one room, but I want to go like out the kitchen, into the dining room, into the family room, into right. the laundry room, back into the kitchen and mm-hmm. and circle around. Every house I grew up, the main houses I grew up in as a child. Had that. Always had that. Uh. And I was a bit of a hyper child and mm-hmm. I would pace a lot. Mm-hmm. Kind of wore a circle yep. in the floor. Sometimes I would run around. Sometimes I'd play tag with my brother. Yeah. That. So for my kids, I always <laughs> wanted to have that loop too. It's we fun. got that in our house. I like the loop. Yeah. There's certain things that you just need. Yeah. Just want in a house. Our first dog, she she used to chase Brian up the front stairs and down the back stairs. So and just this endless loop. Upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs. And yeah, it's just I, I don't know. There's something about old You know why those old houses have those second staircases, right? I do. For the help. For the help. Yes. I'm thinking of getting some help. Are you? Yeah. What kind? A cleaning lady. Oh, if you find a good one, can you let me yeah. know? It's too much. Oh, it's too much. Big old houses just have more. Yeah. <laughs> they need attention paid yeah. too. Big old house gets dusty. They just oh, get dusty. So dusty. Little stuff comes out of the walls. There's are more. your windows original? Uh, Some. Semi, yeah. Some, mm. some are, some aren't. 
So much dust makes it in through those damn windows. Mm-hmm. Ours are original. We might as well have windstorms through some of them. And you don't want to replace them, but you do want to replace them. So our house is actually designated. It's a heritage designated home. You got like a plaque on it and everything? I do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's on the front porch. And so the windows are part of that designation. Interesting. Which so you means can't change it. nothing is happening unless either get a variance and do something like vinyl ugh, or you have them rebuilt, which is mega moolah. Right. In a traditional old fashioned same way. way, same as they are today. You have to replicate is the idea. Yeah. And anything else is a variance. Right. What's the benefit of that other than the plaque? One is that you don't have people rip out beautiful original windows and throw in vinyl crap, right? Or you don't have people tear apart. Uh, for Our porch is also, our front porch is also part of the designation. I think you've seen our front porch. It's yeah. this big wraparound porch. And so, but are you like not allowed to do it? Or just if you do it, you'll lose the designation? No, you're not. You're not supposed to or allowed to do it. So you're not allowed the, to change. You're not allowed to put in like George Jetson windows on your <laughs> no. old Victorian home if no. you want to, even though you own it. Mm, correct. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of agree. And I know that is not often a popular opinion to take on the subject. But I mean, if you allowed it, the hotel that I'm currently have my bakery in yeah. would be gone. Yeah. Right. Because nobody cared enough. And if you look at some of the old pictures of downtown Smith Falls, you will see that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Right. They weren't protected and yeah. therefore somebody just knocked them down and so did you, built something else. Did you get the designation on your home or was it? Nope. It was designated there? when we bought it. So we knew what we were getting into when we bought it. Yeah. And it's typically exterior stuff that is part of the designation. It's not usually interior stuff. Right. Not often is it interior stuff. So it's things like windows, window shapes, because they are unique and you know kind of like you're saying about the spinning wheel they offer a glimpse into yeah something of the past that we just you would never see today you would just never see windows constructed like that today so other than the core philosophy of this Mm -hmm. is preserving stuff for you as an owner there's there's other benefits no no okay no i wish there were in other, I mean, in other municipalities, there are tax benefits mm. in some cases of, you know, some of the restoration work that you do. Right. So you get a reduction on property taxes or there are grants available or, 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 or. And is it hard, do you know much about the, like the process if, if somebody were to try and get a de- designation? Do you know anything about that? I don't think it's, I mean, there's a lot of research that goes into it. You basically have to research why it's significant in some way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. In our case, our house is one of the only ones that has two full-height bays on the house. So one on the front, one on the side, the full height of the house. So those are typically reasons that you would designate something. There's something unique about it that warrants preservation. But I think other than that, it's really just like, here's the history, here's the research, here's why. Yeah. I think in a lot of cases, most municipalities would love to see more buildings protected. Yeah, especially in small towns like this. Yeah. There's a lot of history in this town. I've been learning more and more of it. Mr. Ted Outerbridge. Yeah. He's He's like the king of history around here. He's good at that stuff. He moved to town like almost exactly at the same time that I did. Mm -hmm. But I think he knows a lot more about the actual history of the town than most people in it. 
Oh my gosh, I'm astounded at what he has dug up. And it's like magic. Magic. The outer bridge is like magic. I wonder if he gets tired of the magic jokes. I, every time I see him, <laughs> I, I can't help but make magic a stupid, 10. corny magic joke. <laughs> and uh, he takes it in stride. Hey, this he is does. the life he chose. Yeah. You can't choose to be a magician and not. And then not be okay have references the, uh, to magic all the time. Mag- magic joke. Yeah. I wanted to be a magician when I grew up. Did when you? I was a kid, yeah. I yeah. Houdini magic kit. Uh-huh. Over fifty tricks. Over fifty. Yeah, in that in that in that kit. How many did you know? Uh I didn't learn very many. <laughs> no. I wound up gravitating a little more towards card tricks. Oh. And uh, I still know a few decent card tricks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I whip them out from time to time. That's cool. I, I think I I think my uh my card involvement was limited to Go fish when I was mm-hmm. younger and cribbage when I was older. I used to play cribbage. I played cribbage with, with my grandpa. Yeah. My poppy. Every summer we play cribbage at the cottage. It's so fun. Lots of cribbage. Yeah. I haven't taught Brian yet. I played a bit of poker. Oh, I've never, never gone poker route. I'm not like particularly good at poker. <laughs> you just like to play? I do like to play. I guess what I wind up being unintentionally good at poker because I have a really, oh. I have a really good poker face. Oh, yeah, I can see that actually. People just don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. But it's it, it winds up being more akin to beginner's luck. They always say that a beginner, like they do, like people who are like just started playing poker. <laughs> oh, they'll get way, luck. they'll get way worse. Yeah, because they they have a good poker face because half the time they don't even know if their hand is good or not. Right, you know. <laughs> That would be me, except that I have a really <laughs> shitty poker face. But it's, so I'd be like, it's like, what's the good? tell? Like, I don't, I don't know. So you can't read them because they can't. They even don't re- know. They can't even read their own right. cards, right? Makes sense. So, and then they learn a little bit more about poker and learn what a good hand is, and they're like, ah ha ha! And then all of a sudden, <laughs> poker can, face is gone. All of a sudden, you can read them. That's too funny. I used to play poker with my friends in Guelph. We had a had a weekly poker night. Oh jeez. We never played for very very big money. It was like a five dollar buy in. Made it feel bigger because we'd we'd spread them out like right. like we'd, we'd use chips right. So it was like it's a big deal. We divvy up five hundred dollars <laughs> worth of chips, which was really just five bucks. <laughs> but we felt like high rollers. Hey, why not? Yeah, when in Rome. So I'll take a little bit more of that whiskey. Yeah, it's absolutely. Whiskey. It is really good, isn't it? Quite enjoyable. Now is this a uh, twelve year or a ten year? It is a twelve. I called it. Thank you. So what else uh, What else are you looking forward to? We talked about music. I'm looking forward to music. Music, big time. Traveling. I would really love to get back to traveling. Yeah. Um, we're thinking about Quebec City this summer. Everybody's thinking about domestic locations, right? Yep. I'm going to Costa Rica. Oh, well, shit. Yeah. You got a so better domestic. deal. <laughs> that is a good deal. That's not till like next year, though. Still. But the flights are booked. That is a nice thing to look forward to. I love Costa Rica. I've never been to Costa Rica. I highly recommend it. Hmm. Yeah, it's really, really good. I have to put that on my bucket list. If you go to Costa Rica, eat a lot of fruit. Mm-hmm. They have such good fruit. Yeah. Because it comes fresh off the trees. Right. They got fruit that like can't make the travel. Right. Kinds of fruit you, we just never even had yeah. here. That was the first time I ever ate like a passion fruit, like right out, oh, of, yeah. right out of the husk. Yeah. There was one, there was a fruit uh, that we had in Jamaica. I don't even remember what it was. Same thing. This is not traveling anywhere. I can't remember what it was. It was so good, though. Yeah. In Costa Rica, the best avocados you could ever want, the freshest, ripest, best avocados, cost the equivalent of like five cents an avocado. (laughs) 
So every, Meanwhile, it's like a dollar fifty nine yeah. here. Every day we were just making these giant tubs of guacamole. Oh and God, why wouldn't you? Guacamole. I did a, a really great uh, business coaching program in the U.S. Uh, in two thousand and nineteen, and so I got to spend three weeks throughout the year in Southern California, which was just my first time in Southern California. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm in. I'm all in for Southern California, and uh, I still think if I lived in Southern California, I would eat way better. Because everything is so fresh. It's the same kind of thing. Like avocados for everything. Yeah, I like the food down there. Oh, so good. It's so Mexican, especially yeah, in yeah. Southern California. Yeah. We were in San Diego. Brian actually came with me that time. Um, he was able to get away from work. So he came down for, I think we were there for eight days or something in San Diego. And oh my God, it was so good. Come for the weather. Stay for the taquerias. Stay for everything. Burritos. Beaches. La Jolla. You name it. I used to play in a band in California. Really? Yeah. We weren't Southern California. We were Bay Area. Okay, cool. But we played in like LA and San Diego. Mm. Went down and played Tijuana once. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. How'd that go? Uh, Well, you made it back, so. Yeah, we made it back. It was, it was fine. Yeah. It's all a blur. (laughs) It's all a blur. As happens in Tijuana. It didn't feel that much different than San Diego. No. It just felt like. I mean, it's like 45 minutes away. It felt like going from Windsor to Detroit. Yeah, yeah. That's what it felt like. Oh, Windsor and Detroit. Yeah. Fun the places. first time I ever went to Windsor, I thought it was a really shitty city. Yeah. The second time I went to Windsor was after just having spent two days in Detroit. <laughs> and it just looked like this dreamland yeah. with blue Utopia. jays floating around yeah. and rainbows in the sky. It was so beautiful. That's too funny. Because Detroit was really scary. Yeah. I have I have never I have never gone to Detroit. I have been to Windsor when I worked uh I worked with customs and immigration. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I had to go to Windsor for a week to do a stint at the border, which was educational. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy border down there. They got a couple. You go through the tunnel or the bridge. So I had to do a stint at Commercial Crossing. We were building a system for a new system for yeah. Commercial Crossing. Yeah, I've never been so afraid. Might be a stretch, but not a fun afraid place to at be. the border. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in this little plexiglass box. And you have these people, you know, coming across commercial customs. Do they get people like causing dangerous situations very often though? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Like... I would have thought that that, like people (laughs) would be like steer clear of that. No. No. I would have... I had two guys come through with handguns on their front seat, you know, beside the bag of Cheetos. And I've got a baton (laughs) in a plexiglass box. Yeah. Yeah. This is a little uncomfortable. Weird. Yeah. I think it's why they ended up arming Yeah, CBSA officers. I used to have to cross the border for bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were always super nervous because we would, I think I can say this without okay. risking getting in trouble, but we would cross illegally. Right. This was years ago. Yep. I think the statute of limitations probably is, up. <laughs> is long gone. I yep. was, I was young, young and foolish, mm-hmm. but it worked like we'd we'd get across we just used to always say that we were like going to play a show in nova scotia right and, and taking the long way taking no taking the short way taking the short because way you gotta, right of course you got to go like up and over quebec to get to you can save yeah if you're playing like the right spots in new brunswick or nova scotia in the southern parts that's right you cut through you save time so it's a total sensical reason mm-hmm. to cut across the border. And they always let us, they always let us cross. Meanwhile, yeah. we'd just not go.
go to Nova Scotia and play <laughs> play somewhere else. Play shows in the states. Yeah, I think musicians are probably. I know when I worked there, they were not high on the list. Yeah, of concerns. And then around the time that I started to get out of touring so much with bands was around the time the internet was just exploding more and more. Right. And border guards would just look up your band. Oh yeah. On their computer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's your band called? <laughs> yeah. But then bands started making fake band names and mm-hmm. just building themselves web pages under the fake band names. Yeah. To to fake out yeah. that part. Is this very circular <laughs> existence yeah. and relationship yeah. between immigration and customs? The other excuse we would use was that we were going down to record. Oh yeah. We're coming mm-hmm. down to record and spend money. Yeah, so you're not hotels. making money. No, not making any money, yeah. just spending it. Just mm-hmm. here's a we do a fake contracts from recording studios saying that we're coming down, that we had them <laughs> pretty sophisticated booked for a week. <laughs> At least you did. You know what? At least you did your research to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. We used to have people come through who were like, I'm here. I'm here for a vacation. Like, oh, are you? Okay. And uh, where are all your bags? Oh, I'm just staying for four days. Oh, okay. And uh, what are you going to do while you're here? Oh, I, so I have this thing for the Tulip Festival. It's September, sir. That was in May. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you're not here for work? See, now I feel yeah. good about my my stories. I feel better about my stories. Last time I went down, it was for work. Yeah. And I, I didn't, like, I didn't have a, a visa or whatever else. Yeah. I was just, I, it was for a band, but this time I was going down to film a different band. Mm-hmm. And they saw my camera gear. And they were like, well, what's all this? It's all this camera gear you're bringing down. you taking pictures, taking videos, you professional. Mm-hmm. And I, ju- I chuckled and I said, professional? Oh, I wish. No. <laughs> but I have a blog. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, yeah. I'm a blogger. And they sort of rolled their eyes at me and wait, wait, Continue on. after I said I was a blogger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, was the, that was the best advice I was given for crossing the border is that you should offer up information and act as if like you're worried about the information mm-hmm. when really it's like the most innocent thing. That's where I came up with the blogger line. I was like, oh, I'm, I, I run a blog. <laughs> uh, but the advice that was born from was my buddy Steve when they asked him about, because they always ask you about food because they're always ho- so hyper concerned yeah. about what kind of food you bring in. Yep. And uh, his trick was he would always say, oh, yeah, I do have some food. I made some sandwiches. <laughs> Is that okay? I made I made sandwiches. It was just, just like the most wholesome thing you can say. Yeah. And there's just, just go through. Get out of yeah. here. Get out of my go face. Away. You and your sandwiches. Yeah, that's too funny. I was on a plane and I had to fill out the customs card. Mm-hmm. And my wife had packed my lunch. And <laughs> I she put a banana. Oh no. In it. So this oh yeah. Oh. Oh and dear. I'm I have a lo- I have a love hate relationship with bananas. Mm-hmm. I just sometimes they're great. Mm-hmm. But I really have to be most of the times they're not. I really have to be in the mood for a for a banana. I think it's less to do with how much I actually enjoy eating a banana mm-hmm. and more to do with the fact that I just I kind of have a bit of animosity towards bananas <laughs> in general. That's the first I've heard animosity towards bananas. I just think what did they do to you? I think they're selfish. Oh, okay. I think bananas are selfish. <laughs> I think that you can make yourself like this awesome smoothie with yes. like acai berries and raspberries and <laughs> and, and you spinach, don't want bananas in there spinach <laughs> and beets 
whatever you want to make. Mm-hmm. And the second you put like one slice of banana in there, you've got a banana smoothie on your hands. <laughs> That's what it okay. is. It's a banana smoothie. <laughs> okay, it's true. Tinged with whatever other flavor, you know, hard to now Aside pick up. of. <laughs> just, it's a flavor hog. It, it's a flavor it hog. That's why it, banana bread is so good. Yeah, but it's not fighting with other stuff it's the flavor know. if you were like oh i made some banana strawberry bread i'd be like why <laughs> that's just mean to strawberries <laughs> they don't play nice they don't play and that's and that's like one of the nicest fruits banana strawberry they make a yogurt it is. banana i know people dig that combination yeah still a hog it's way more <laughs> they gotta put like three still times a, as many no. strawberries in there just to try and make it a 50 50 balance between yeah it's not untrue. <laughs> banana hogs the spotlight. A little bit. Anything you put in it hogs the spotlight. It does a little bit. Now, if you're if you're putting on like a one banana show, <laughs> then that's okay. Yeah. But the rest of the cast is going to get a little Perturbed. jealous. Push, push banana down the mm-hmm. stairs sooner or later. Push banana down the stairs. Yeah. It's, uh, banana just thinks it's about There's a lot his, of animosity. Banana just thinks about itself. That's <laughs> totally selfish. That's my issue with banana. So I have to tell you, I was listening to your podcast with Pat. Yeah. And uh, I'm jealous that your canoe had mesh seats. <laughs> Growing up, yeah. mine had wood. When I was a kid, Yeah. wood, solid wood seats, no mesh seats. Yeah, mine had mesh, but they were ripped. Yeah, but they were mesh. They At were like, they- a, like a hard <laughs> splinter-inducing wicker mesh. <laughs> They weren't like some sort of like stretchy, athletic, hammock, ass hammock, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Ours were like solid wood boards. Yeah. Ours were ripped because I don't think anybody knew how to sit in a canoe properly. We didn't really, (laughs) we didn't do like that whole knee thing where you just rest your butt on it. You just, people would just sit on this seat Mm -hmm. and they, and they pushed their ass through the mesh. Yeah. Ruined it for everybody else. <laughs> Ruined it for everybody else. We had two canoes at my cottage growing up. One yep. was a blue canoe made of wood. Mm-hmm. I think my uncle might have built it. I have this uncle who builds canoes. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, he ran a store in Huntsville called Connell Canoes. Oh, wow. It's since, I think, becomes part of some, some type of franchise. I think it's called Kingfisher Canoes now. But he used to build cedar canoes by oh, hand. Oh, wow. It's quite the outdoorsman. That's impressive. I mean, that that is craftsmanship at the next level. Yeah, he used to... I used to see them hanging in my hanging in my grandfather's barn. All the canoes he was wow. he was working on. My uncle Dave, Uncle Dave, yeah, but yeah, the canoes. I was making that reference because the canoes down at the Rito that Bill has. Are I know, just different world, a lot nicer. Yeah, yeah, they got that. So they I got should go backrests on them. Backrests. Oh yeah, I did yeah. hear that. I did hear you talk about yeah, that. They're nice canoes, good paddle boards. I haven't tried the kayaks yet, but based on mm. his choice of paddle boards and. Uh, and canoes. I keep saying I'm going to go try the paddle boards. I've never tried paddle boarding. I'm fairly confident I'm going over. Everybody thinks that. So. <laughs> it's 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 pretty easy. There's some balance yeah. involved for sure. But my four-year-old can do it. She was out on a paddle board today. Really? Yep. That's pretty Not freaking here. awesome. Not one of Bill's, but up on my cottage. My sister got just got this inflatable. Oh, I've seen those. Paddle board. Yep. Huge ones, like 16 feet long. Yeah. Tons of fun. I mean, you could have a nap on that. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. I would totally have a nap on that. Hmm. I had a nap today on my dock. <laughs> oh. My cottage. my cottage is about an hour and a half from here. Okay. Buckshot Lake. Buckshot Lake. I do yeah. not know where that is. It's a tiny little lake. It's just outside of a town called Plevna. Oh, I know where Plevna is. You know Plevna? I do. 
we used to tell jokes about Plevna growing up. I'm sure. Very mean jokes. Mm. Very mean small town jokes. Yeah. Like, uh, what do you get with fi- <laughs> with 15 Plevna girls? I don't know. A full set of teeth. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> or. It's terrible. If a couple in Plevna get divorced. Oh, God. Are they still brother and sister? Oh, no. <laughs> so bad. Once, uh, when I was a teenager, <laughs> we saw these signs for a, a street dance mm-hmm. in Plevna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we decided to go. This was the first time we ever took part in any sort of Plevna social life. It was right. always just the town we drove through. Mm-hmm. That we, we went to lookout building centers for our hardware, still do to this day. We oh, have wow. a family account there. Wow. We would go to the ice cream place. It's a place on the corner. It's just been boarded up for about 20 years now. Oh, that's sad. But we went to this one thing, and it turned out to be about a dozen locals milling around the general store to a small boombox playing the radio. Oh, my. And a dunk tank. <laughs> <laughs> a dunk tank. Yeah, a dunk tank. Oh, that's awesome. One, I think the dude who had procured the dunk tank self volunteered to. I was going to say, who sat to, on the to, seat <laughs> to be to be the guy getting dunked? Just this random, uh, random plevna citizen. Okay, that's pretty cool. It was a tale. I'm yeah. telling the story now. I'm telling the story you know, now. I probably won't tell the story of my last week's Monday night because I don't even remember what I did, but I remember that night in plevna. It's amazing what stands out, eh? Yeah. My parents had. Uh, we used to go to a campground in Cobden on Muskrat Lake. And, uh, you know, you know, as you get older and you have these recollections or memories as a kid and you're like, I think this happened. Yeah. Pretty sure this happened. They had one of those big jars of the jelly beans and guess how many jelly beans are in the jar. Mm-hmm. And I guess the exact number. Nice. <laughs> and I have no recollection about what I won. If I won anything at all. But I remember walking through this smoky bingo hall to pick up whatever it was that I want at the Cobden Trailer Park. That's great. Or campground or whatever it was called. I'm a big fan of anything that gives me a story. Mm-hmm. My general philosophy is that I prefer to measure my life in stories. So much more interesting. It helps a lot, I think, because there's shitty situations and, and bad shit that happens without verging into the tragic. Mm-hmm makes the best stories mm-hmm. weird stuff random stuff mishaps they make the best stories they do they're kind of obscure yeah i'm able to find comfort in that a lot i find mm-hmm. and wh- whether it's this flat tire or a couple of years ago i my car broke down that's always a fun experience broke down in madoc a madoc yeah oh who do you call from madoc well what i did was i said fuck it <laughs> and I went to the Legion and got drunk. I mean, that's a good alternative. In Madoc. In Madoc. With the people from the Legion. Okay. The but I feel like that would be there. super fun. It was. Yeah. But because I made the decision to say, what the hell am I going to do in Madoc? Right. And I found the go only the place serving booze and the only place full of people drinking booze in Madoc mm-hmm. and and got drunk with these old white hairs. Fun night. Instead of just, you know, sitting in my car waiting for a tow truck. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Perspective is a perspective is a funny thing. And I think you were asking earlier about the pandemic and, you know, what do I think about it and all this. I think one of the things that people will come out of this with, hopefully, 
Mm-hmm. It's just a different perspective I about so. what's important. Yeah. Because a whole lot of the stuff that we thought was ain't. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff has just kind of fallen to the wayside. Yeah. People this, have this need or or tendency for busyness that we used to have. No. No thanks. Yeah, I think people have been introduced to new ways of doing things and mm-hmm. and shown how some of the old ways don't really need to be done like that no. anymore. I think it on a base level too it's it's interrupted some things that are just so assumed, so basic like a even a handshake. Yeah. You know? Mhm. I think we're going to get back to handshakes myself. Mhm. I did, I did it the other day. I met someone and I yeah. actually reached out and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. not supposed to do that. Yeah. But all of a sudden it's starting to come back, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. But some people won't shake hands as much. Nope. I think we're going to see a little more elbow bumps. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a little more. I mean, nobody's weirded out by a mask anymore. No. So I think that'll be a good thing. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I am sick. I'm not going to go to work. I don't get a gold. Thank I don't God get a gold star for that. for that anymore. No, I get the opposite. Yeah, that's finally been brought to the surface. About time. I think that attitude was growing already, and at this point, it's just oh, flat out. Like, stay the fuck home. Yeah, nobody wants you there. But I think there's also on the flip side, a uh, like, oh, I shouldn't mm-hmm. be there, right? Like, there's a there's a recognition on both sides of the fence yeah. that that is just not a good thing. Yeah, get Let's your work not done from do home. that anymore. Get your work for, done from home. And yep. even if you don't get your work done, guess what you haven't done? Stopped 20 other people from getting their work done. Right. Have it run through the office. Mm-hmm. Because that was always super fun to deal with. Five years ago, if you were on the bus wearing a surgical mask, people would think you were some kind of psycho. Oh, you're totally nuts. What the fuck is wrong with that person? Yeah. Why are they wearing a mask? Yeah. We were <laughs> we were having like political debates about whether it was right to like let people wear face coverings. Oh, remember yeah. that shit? Does that? But does that not still happen? I think that still happens. Well, they wear face coverings. That's my point. Is that like now we're like now it's government mandated to wear a face covering, but a certain kind. I don't think it matters what kind. I mean, they want they want a certain minimum for medical, but yeah. All I'm saying is that we had we had the literally the prime minister at the time, Stephen Harper, mm-hmm. harping, oh yeah, about face coverings yeah. and how they were a security risk, yeah, or, yeah. or bad, and and all this stuff. And now, this few short years later, you're not allowed to walk into no, a to building not have without a face covering on. But you know what? So I was oh, where was I was reading something the other day. Even though I stay away, generally stay away from the news. I was reading something the other day. And the religious face covering is still very much a debate, despite the fact that it is essentially and effectively the same thing. Well, they're still talking about a lot in Quebec because of the bill they have there for uh, religious symbols. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. It's a disaster. I'm like pro separation of church and state, but yeah, I don't know. I don't live in Quebec. No. I don't have a horse in that race. No. Luckily, luckily enough for me. Thank God for that. I prefer not to get involved in like Quebec debates either. I was actually pro Quebec separation. Is that right? Yeah. Not because I'd be happy to see him go or anything, Mm -hmm. but if they're sitting there screaming to the heavens that they want to go somewhere and 
do their own thing, then I, I'm, I can live with that. Yeah. I think it would have happened if the rest of our country wasn't on the other side of them. You know, it was a really interesting, I was, I was working in the government at the time that, uh, that debate was going on and a colleague of mine lived on the Quebec side and worked in downtown Ottawa. Yeah. And he was a staunch separatist. Mm -hmm. And what fascinated me the most was this idea in his mind that we're going, but I'm keeping my job and my pension. (laughs) And it was like, oh, that's not really how that works. (laughs) But why couldn't it? Uh, How does that happen? If you, you know, if the federal government says your jobs are given preferentially to Canadian citizens and you decide to separate. Well, when you're talking about redefining the rules of, of what even defines us as a country Mm -hmm. at all, then I think there's room to figure that crap out. Yeah. I think that our perception of a border and what entails a separate country is heavily defined by living in North America and the three countries and their very secure borders. You go over to the EU. Yeah. Yeah. You can have a job and a pension in Germany and you can live in Holland. Totally. You take a train through five different countries in the same day and spend all your money in all five and, and not show your passport once. Yep. You're just going around to different places, you know? Yeah. So I think it would have been more like that. I think it's like still, it still feel like Canada. People would still call it Canada. They'd be like, oh yeah, but yeah, technically like, <laughs> Te- technically, technically over like there, New France or whatever they, Quebec wants to call themselves yeah. now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was a really interesting, it was a really interesting, um, it was a really interesting perspective for, because we had a number of people who were staunch separatists working mm-hmm. in the government. And it was just like, oh, oh, okay. I remember one of my aunts who was French Canadian saying, you know, the the concern was about culture, yeah. which I totally get. That gets diluted very quickly all over the place. Uh-huh. And, um, and I remember her saying, it's not about separating. It's about preserving culture. Mm-hmm. And her perspective was that's where the idea came. Like, we're separating, but we are still staying as part of this broader community. Yeah. Right. And so those, those, uh, the, the culture and preserving culture and language got confused with how that would work in reality. Yeah. Right? Like, we're going to separate. We're going to be our own. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to have our own currency. We're going to, but we're still going to have Canadian military and Canadian jobs and, and all of those things. And it was really more an effort around culture and language than anything else. I think it's a big struggle to try and, I mean, especially these days with all the, the more, uh, woke thinking around these days, but to, to have like a Canadian culture and a Canadian identity. You want to tell me that people in Quebec who are separatists have mm-hmm. any strong t- cultural ties to like like the beef farming types out in Alberta? Nope. No. 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 And that's just talking about two two different facets of colonizers. Oh yeah. I remember in the Stephen Harper days again harping on all of those things. Uh one of the conversations being around being a Canadian and what it means to be a Canadian Old stock Canadians. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. Like what, what do you mean by Canadian? Because most of my family is out in the prairies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a very different 
way of living and culture than it is in Eastern Ontario, let's say, or Toronto or the East Coast. And so I was always really perplexed by that argument that people needed to conform to these Canadian values. And I'm like, what? But what are they? Um, And I was really fortunate. I grew up amongst a group of people who were from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Pakistan, India, the West Indies, Africa, you name it. And I had the benefit of enjoying their culture, enjoying their food, enjoying, you know, what hospitality looked like culturally. And so um, I think, I think back on that now, but how fortunate I was to be able to experience that because the alternative feels kind of uh, boring, Mm -hmm. right? To live in a, to live in an area where you don't get to experience those things feel like I would, I would feel like I lost out. Like I missed out on yeah, cool I things. Yeah, I see that. I mean, I like different types of food, different oh, yeah. types of music, different yeah. types of art. As a result. And there's an old saying, I can't remember who said it, some quotable person. <laughs> this is part of a bigger quote too. I should really look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. I have a computer, <laughs> right I, I have a computer right in front of me. I don't have a I don't have a production assistant to look this shit up for me <laughs> on the fly. I do have a keyboard. Yeah, like one of my girlfriends in uh, maybe it was I don't know if it was high school or yeah, it must have been high school. Her dad owned a Chinese restaurant in Ottawa, Fuliwa, mm-hmm. and that was the first place I ever had dim sum. Nice. I think I was like fifteen. I'm pretty sure I couldn't drive. I'm pretty sure her dad drove us, and there's no way in many neighborhoods in Canada that I ever would have experienced that and had that opportunity. And um, in a way, you know, I talk about cooking and all of these things and baking and how much I love those things. All of those experiences feed that passion. Like we had a guy, again, I wasn't old enough to drive because my dad used to drive me down to this little Italian grocery in Orleans where where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was owned by this older man named Massimo. Asimo and his wife. Yeah. And we would go, if not every Saturday, many Saturdays, because I cooked dinner and it was Italian mm-hmm. on Saturday nights. And he would teach me, you know, here's here's what the sauce is and here's the pastas and here's how they go together and here's the best choices and here's why. And and all of those experiences growing up with all of those friends and all of those kinds of amenities nearby really kind of fed my soul, I think, in leaving what was I'm going like all the way back to the beginning of this discussion yeah. now <laughs> fed that journey to I'm out of the public service and I'm just going to feed people because yeah. I got so much joy being the one getting to experience those things. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I get it. it. Oh, by the way, I found that quote and it's, f- f- it was a quote by Miguel de Unamuno. Oh. I'm not sure who that is. Never heard of but him. The quote I recognize and it's fascism is cured by reading. And mm-hmm. racism is cured by traveling. Mm, yeah. And I believe that. Totally. I despise racism, despise fascism. I despise all that kind of bigotry. The philosophical question it raises in my mind mm-hmm. is how do we balance the uh, encouragement of a melting pot society yep. with the preservation of culture? Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. It's like that that Italian grandpa mm-hmm. who might have shown you these rep- recipes yep. or something, who did, you know, who held his fingers like this <laughs> and said yep. the words like this, yeah. <laughs> you know. That 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 paradigm of a person who mm-hmm. who holds this who who's a living stereotype. Totally. Because of what they are. Yep. In a in the best way. Yep. Um you know, they would be their 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 Italianness or Sicilianness might shine through a little less if mm-hmm. they married somebody from San Diego. Yep. Born and raised in San Diego yuppie type. Yeah. Just North American mm-hmm. type. Yep. That, you know, they're going to create their own culture and their kids are going to be like, yeah, my dad's really Italian and my mom's really from San Diego. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like this person. Combination. You of- know, they're just like, yeah. they, they'd be like me, you know, I, I, and, and me, I'm, a, I'm actually like, I'm like 99% Irish, but I've never been to Ireland. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be like, yeah, I like Irish whiskey. I'm, I'm Irish. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day, but I'm Irish <laughs> all the time, you know, but not really. But not really. I'm yeah. just Canadian. I'm just some yeah, yeah. I'm just some Canadian kid yeah. who doesn't really have a culture. And any culture that I thought I had of being Canadian is now being I'm now being told that I probably shouldn't have have it. I right. I, don't, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. And I mean, part of, you know, part of me also looks at it and says, okay. So does the culture also not live on through the people who learn those things from the teachers, right? Like my lovely friend Massimo, who teaches part of his heritage and culture and way of being, he teaches that to, you know, 14, 15 year old white girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am, I'm not 14 anymore. I'm significantly older than that now. Um, I remember those things like they were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I remember the care that he took and how passionate he was about all of these things and how important they were. And so in a way, I kind of look at it and say, does that culture not live on through the passing on of that knowledge? I am not Italian. Yeah, My background is like Norwegian, I'm like a Heinz 57, Norwegian, Scottish, Irish, and British. The thing is, I, th- I think that's where we're all headed. I think 100 right. years from now, we're going to be a bunch of beige people with it's just an know, evolution who spend a lot of money on 23 and me or something you know <laughs> you know like, where did i actually come from and, i don't know anymore and and all these different cultural things eventually you know how do you culturally appropriate like something from your fellow beige neighbor when we're just all beige 100 or 200 years from now yeah. And, and and racism is cured because we, yeah. you know, I mean, that that's the problem we want to have, I, I think. It is. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast and I, and I can't for the life of me remember what podcast it was. It might have been Dave Chang, I'm not sure. And they were talking about cultural appropriation in the context of food because mm-hmm. there are obviously a lot of situations where over the years um, – white people have taken recipes out of context without the learning, without the meaning or, or culture behind them and opened very successful restaurants or, yeah. or, or cafes or anything like that mm. and profited off something that they didn't really appreciate or understand. Yeah. And so the conversation was around, and I have to go back and look because I don't know if it was Dave Chang, but 
um, the conversation was a really good one because it, it, cre- it talked about the difference between cultural appropriation in the context of genuinely appreciating, understanding, and sharing versus taking for the intent of profiting, mm-hmm. which very different motivation there, right? And so from the perspective of the those participating in the conversation, the goal of people to share those things that they have learned is not cultural appropriation. That was their personal point of view and perspective, which obviously would not be shared by everybody. Yeah. Um, but I think that is a really valuable conversation to have, right? Like if I make if I make pad thai at home or if I make pad thai even at the restaurant, um, you know, some of it is is very heavily influenced by my friends who I grew up with and the things that I learned from them and their families and their parents in terms of how to make those things. Mm-hmm. Um, do I do it in an ultra traditional way? I don't know. I do it the way that their families showed me. And so, but it, but it is very much because I appreciate it and I love it and yeah. I can't get it anywhere around here. So I have to go to Ottawa or Kingston to get it. Yeah. And so the, the perspective there was that no, like that is genuine appreciation and, and a desire to share those things with people who otherwise may not have had those things or experienced those things. And so I thought that was a really interesting conversation to be having in the context of broader culture and learning those things and sharing those things. See, I've experienced a lot of pad thai, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it would go over that well if I opened a pad thai restaurant. No, like I would never open a pad thai restaurant. I do know what I would call it though. What what would you call it? Matt thai. Matt thai. (laughs) One T or two? It's a good question. (laughs) Two. It's my name. Two. Two. Yeah. 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 Just a little phonetic trick there. Yeah. But I wouldn't do it because I don't even make pad thai. I don't trust myself to. I yeah. stop at ramen noodles when it comes to <laughs> like out of the package. Oh, I love them. There's some the really good packaged ones now though. Have you seen them? They're oh. like gourmet ramen oh, noodles. Yeah. I love them. They come with so a little good. like oil packet inside. Yeah. You put the oil in the sesame, oh, yeah. spicy sesame oil. Yeah. Uh, favorite late night snack of mine. Is so ramen good. Noodles. Yeah. Spicy chicken. I like the mushroom flavor too. Mushroom I'll, flavor in anything is good. I always have a soft spot for just like the cheap, cheap, Cheap dollar store ramen noodles. I love them all. Do you know I what? I, <laughs> I ate too many Mr. Noodles in college. You're off them now, eh? Too oh, much? Could. Mr. Noodles in particular. Couldn't mm. do it. I gave myself an aversion to eggs once. <laughs> ate too many eggs. And then uh, I couldn't touch eggs for like a year. Didn't have a good next day, eh? No. 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 Turn, turn myself off rum for a good decade, too. <laughs> Way too much rum one night. I still won't have touch a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has no. that drink. Everybody has that drink. Yes. No way. Yeah. No. Not that. No. No, thank you very much. I feel like for most people it's tequila. Do you know what? I, it might have been like seven years ago that I first had tequila because I heard everybody's horror stories and yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, hell no. I haven't had a ton of tequila. Like, it's always I just, will, everybody goes on about the, the horror stories. Like I will stories. have Jägermeister like, before I'll touch yeah. tequila. I like Jägermeister. I, yeah. But I mean, I like black licorice and See, I love things. Sambuca. I love yeah. Sambuca. Yeah. There's so many different places to get that black licorice flavor from. Yeah. And it's so funny because I actually hate the flavor of black licorice, but Sambuca? But Sambuca is, is does Sambuca actually have black licorice in it? Or is it I like don't know. I don't think it has anise. in it. it may, it's probably star anise, but it's that same kind of flavor profile, right? Like, but I love Sambuca. Now, do you like Sambuca after it's been lit on fire? <laughs> so I have a funny Sambuca fire story. Let's hear it. We were, 
this was uh, many years ago when I was working on an IT project in the government and a bunch of us went down to, um, I don't know what the bar was on Elgin Street, sitting at a long table on Elgin Street and we order a round of shots and it's Sambuca. And the waitress decides that on the tray is where she's going to light them. Mm. And of course, she lights them and there's got to be 15 shots of Sambuca on this tray. And as she goes to start serving them, one spills. And now we've got fire on the table. <laughs> and we had all had a fair bit to drink at that point. And so in everybody's infinite wisdom, uh, you know, one throws some water <laughs> towards the flames, yeah. just pushes it further down the table. Mm-hmm. And then we're grabbing, you know, cloth napkins to try and fan the no bueno comes from that. I can tell you that for sure. People aren't very good at dealing with fire. No. Most of the time. Yeah, no, it di- it didn't. <laughs> That that's one of those memories that stands out very vividly. I feel like people are much better educated on grease fires than they are on alcohol fires. Yeah. yeah. I remember I remember as a kid, you know, like the fire you have in your oven and they say, hey, throw baking soda on it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think my brother and I emptied like three boxes of baking soda into the oven. My my mom, of course, was just like, it was just parchment paper. Like, why why would you do that? Just let why it burn. Why would you do that? Just, just let it burn. Yeah, let it burn. Yeah. It'll be over in fifteen seconds. Yeah, shut the oven door. You're good. So not only is your space bigger and different and better in so many ways, but it's mm-hmm. it's custom designed now too, right? Yeah, that was a fun, fun process. I'm not trying to throw shade on your past landlord or anything. No, that, no. That old place was a bit of a shoebox. I mean... Again, it was what it was, right? And I wasn't, I made a conscious decision very early on. I'm not sinking tons of money into this because it was a gamble to begin with. Right. You know, a bakery in a town, this is a pretty big gamble. Um, you know, I've quit my very well-paying job in the government and mm-hmm. I'm going to bake cinnamon buns and scones mm-hmm. for people and uh, hope that they come by them. So I made a very conscious decision not to do anything and uh, to invest much other than equipment. But now you're selling scone mix. Yeah. That went over way better than we thought in the... You're going to wind up in Whole Foods or some shit like that or what? Oh my God. I would say need to two? buy another building. Franchise? Franchise out, mm, say two? I don't know. Only one? There can be only one? I don't know. I mean, there's... Hey. You've thought about it. I can tell. I, <laughs> I can tell you've thought about it. Do you know, I... So I'm a bit of an addict when it comes to like... Uh, you know, Food Network and yeah. all those, you know, Chef's Table on Netflix. What about those competitions? You no. want to be on one of those no. shows? No. No? No, not interested. No? I, no. It's beneath you? No, you know what? Just, I just not your thing. Just not my thing. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I don't know. I always find, like, people just have their areas where they excel and shine, and it's not everywhere. And on those shows, you just kind of have to be able to shine everywhere in order to show off in one area. I don't like that. I understand that. I see that kind of thing a lot, I think, within uh, musicians and the music scene. Mm. These days, it's not generally speaking enough to be a fantastic musician. Right. In order to be a successful musician. Mm -hmm. You have to be a fantastic... You're better off being somebody who's like awesome at social media and, right and okay at music versus being somebody who's just like a stellar right. 
virtuoso at music. That's, right. That that doesn't matter. That's not enough. So it's. I feel kind of the same way about the the food competitions, right? Like that's great that you appear as a wonderful personality on a television show, but I don't know. Not everybody is happy in front of a camera, or you know, can perform in front of a camera. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think it devalues the skills and. But here you are on a podcast. But here I am on a podcast. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not competing. <laughs> it's my job to compete with all the other podcasts in town. Do we have any? I don't think so. I don't think so either. No, actually, that's a half truth. There's a, a there's a church in town that mm. broadcasts. There's they, they upload their sermons, their weekly sermons. Oh, I didn't know as that. As a podcast. Oh, that's cool. Uh, there's another there's another uh, Ottawa Valley podcast. Uh, I think I've heard of it. OV Boss Babes. Yes, I have yeah, heard of it. You probably have being yep. a, being an OV Boss Babe yourself. Uh, you know what? I I find in the last eighteen months, I've been so preoccupied with like, keeping my head above water. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit out of touch with all the things that go on outside of here. I can see that. I just heard about that podcast a couple of days ago. I see things in passing, and I, oh, I should go back and look at that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I don't. Like, I, I love podcasts. I am a podcast addict. Which ones do you usually... Uh, uh, I really love... Murder? I, the murder ones? No. Everybody loves the murder ones. No. No? No. I love uh, David Chang. Who's David Chang? So he's a restaurateur in the US. Yeah. Uh, Momofuku Noodle Bar. Sure. Fame. Next time you're in Toronto, go to Momofuku. Okay. Fabulous Noodle Bar. Yeah. I listen to Yoga Girl. Okay. Rachel Brayton. She's she's a really great conversationalist, and she has some interesting guests on her show. Um, but she's also very honest and open, and you know doesn't hide anything, which is kind of refreshing. And then there are a couple of podcasts I listen to who are former business coaches, mm-hmm. Biz Chicks podcast, and uh, Stacking Your Team podcast. So it's really about running a business and yeah. all that jazz. Yeah, Oprah sometimes. Oh, I listen to the uh, started listening to the. Barack Obama, Bruce Springsteen podcast. Have you I've heard to good that? things. I haven't listened uh, to it yet, but I've heard great conversation. I've heard good things about it. Great conversation. I like Bruce Springsteen a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a good podcast. I've heard it's great. Yeah, and they're apparently like really good friends. Yes, and their rapport. Oh yes, is is really good. I hear. Yeah, it's uh, they tackle some interesting subjects. Like yeah. what? What is Bruce Springsteen an expert on outside of music that I need to hear about? Uh you know, so they talk about. Um, he grew up in poverty, alcoholic dad. Yeah. Um, and so they talk about, you know, one episode they talk about growing up basically without a dad mm-hmm. and the challenges that that created. Right. Because Obama didn't really have his dad around either. Eh? No, exactly. He died. I think he died when he was like 13 years old or something. Mm-hmm. His dad died. Um, you know, so they talk about some pretty deep subjects and, and how that has influenced they, their existence as an adult uh, yeah. in this world. So. Yeah, some pretty deep subjects. Hard for a man to grow up without a dad. I, you know, I can't imagine. Neither can I, really. I had a great dad. Yeah. Still do. Yeah, my parents are awesome. Like, it would really have sucked to not have them around. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably check out that uh, that Springsteen-Obama podcast. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Is it just called the Springsteen and uh, Obama podcast? Hold on one sec. I'll find out. I can do that, too. I got my computer right here. I'm looking up, I'm looking up famous quotes. Springsteen-Obama podcast. Renegades. Renegades. Born yes. in the USA. So good. It's funny that they called it Born in the USA, though. That song's like a a not patriotic song. Yes. He talks about that in one of the episodes, actually. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So he tackles it. He does. 
Have you ever seen Springsteen live? No. I haven't. I would Mm-mm. like to. I would like to. I think to. it'd be pretty amazing. Um, my dad's seen him a bunch. Oh, he yeah? can't now, though. He can't go see him on Broadway because he doesn't have the right vaccines. Because the U.S. won't They changed that. Astra. Did they? I saw Did that. They? Yes. My dad so, will be very happy. I... <laughs> I saw that headline and I was like, son of a bitch, this is not fair. Stupid AstraZeneca. Yeah. That'd be super cool to see him on Broadway. I love Broadway. I saw Les Paul on Broadway. Oh. And uh, I'm a guitar player. Maybe you don't know who Les Paul is, but he, most people know the guitar. There's a type mm-hmm. of guitar called Les Paul, which okay. is named after the guy, Les Paul, who pretty much invented the electric guitar. Really? Yeah. I saw him on well, Broadway like six months before he died. Oh, wow. Like 95 or 96. Jeez, Musical legend. No kidding. Yeah. You know, in terms of travel, mm-hmm. back to Broadway. Yeah. I've seen some good Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. I saw Avenue Q on Broadway. Oh, really? Yeah, I like New York. My parents lived in New York for a few years. Oh, nice. So I went down there. They had, a, they had a brownstone right beside Central Park. That's like what dreams are made of. Mm-hmm. My brother lives down there now, just very, just a couple blocks away, actually, from where they used to be. I think he's on 56th or 65th, oh. somewhere in between those two, mm-hmm. right near Central Park. He's yeah. like on the same street that the real soup Nazi oh, really? is, like the real location oh, that the Seinfeld show based there's on. That's super fun. There's like footprints on the ground that you have to follow. Get out of here. To order your soup. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah, I love New York City. New York City, Boston, love them both. I've never, I went to Boston once, but I didn't really spend any time there. I played a show there and then had to leave at like 10 a.m. the next day. Mm. Didn't even get to have breakfast there. So I haven't really experienced Boston, but I've been to New York a lot. And I really like New York. Mm-hmm. L.A.'s okay. Yeah. Mm. I don't like the vibe in L.A. It's too, it's too much. Everybody's trying to be something all the time. Yeah. And then I found that after I had been in L.A. for like a week, mm-hmm. I would like catch myself like walking around oh, like doing, trying, the, doing that thing trying to make people think that i was important too. oh interesting it overtakes you interesting it's like a disease <laughs> yeah yeah i don't like la for that reason that in the public transit sucks yeah it's just it's just it, non-existent you can't get by without a car in la no no bay area and it, i like i like being in the bay area bay area is nice san francisco i loved i like san francisco Mm-hmm. I like. I even like San Jose. It's a little dirtier. I like dirty uh, towns. I don't think I went to San Jose. No, San oh. Diego. I loved. I like San Diego. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's a nice city. Newport Beach. You've been around the states a lot. No, not a ton. I've been through most of them. Really? Not all, but most of them. I really like Seattle. Oh, I've never. I've so just before. Well, I guess it was just as the pandemic was starting. We were supposed to, I did, so this coaching program I did in the U.S. with a bunch of other women, I was the only Canadian, and we had decided, oh, we're going to do quarterly trips. So we're going to go see Kara in Seattle, and we're going to go to Texas, see Marianne. And uh, our first trip was scheduled for like February, right before the pandemic mm-hmm. started. I was like, Ugh, guess I'm not going to Seattle, because that was where the first outbreak was, right? Was it? In Seattle. I mm-hmm. did not know well, I think one of the first outbreaks in North America was at a nursing home in Seattle. So I was like, Great. oh. So, not Seattle. So it's still on my list. Yeah, Seattle's a good one. Mm-hmm. And then I really like Nashville. See, that's on my list. You'd like Nashville. Yeah. I New Orleans is on my list. Have I been to New Orleans? 
No. How I would you not know? Been. How would you not I'm remember? Just trying to, well, sorry. No, wait. New, I've <laughs> sorry. been to I've been to Louisiana. Yes, but not New Orleans. But not New Orleans. I was going to say, I how could in, you not remember being in New Orleans? But then I was like, but it's New Orleans. I was in Baton Rouge. Oh, fun. Yeah, I went to Baton Rouge. Yeah. I ate crocodile. I've had that before. It tastes, tastes like tastes chicken. Like chicken. <laughs> yeah, tasted like chicken. Tastes sure. like chicken. Yeah. Yep. Mine were like... Uh, it's like it was breaded. It's like chicken. It was like, it was like uh, chicken McNuggets. It was like, it was like popcorn chicken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. It was fine. It was good. Savannah, Georgia is on my list. Savannah. I know very little about Savannah, Georgia. I've very been to historic. Georgia before. Very historic. But Nashville is good. You'd like mm, Nashville. Yeah. Nashville's the best. Really? It's such a music what town. What about it? Okay. It's a music town. There's yeah. music everywhere. Hmm. Here you can go to, you know, and by here, I don't necessarily mean Smith Falls. I just mean generally here. You, yeah. can, you can go to a bar and they might have live music. Yeah. Your average bar. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be probably only okay. Right. Especially if you're just at some bar that's mm-hmm. just decided to hire some live musician. Right. On Friday nights for to play you some cover. Three, three sets of cover songs. Right. Sort of, sort of deal. Um, but the people down there who are doing that same thing mm-hmm. are incredible really yeah because it's the talent like that's the talent pool the is talent just that much it's just so okay. different, saturated because you know? if you're in ottawa probably the best three musicians from ottawa mm-hmm. go to nashville mm. they're trying okay. to make it in nashville it's like actors going to la right my brother's an actor he spent three years down in LA for pilot season. You know, everybody yeah. goes there. That's where you go to do this shit for real. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Prove yourself. Yeah. So that when you're a musician, some people still choose LA as a musician. Some mm-hmm. people might still choose New York City as a musician. Same is true for an actor. You know, you might try and be an actor in New York. But if you're going for more movies and TV, you're probably going to choose LA. Head for LA. You know? Okay. If you're more, if you're more stage and show, mm-hmm. you'll probably choose New York. But I mean, it's still, you know, New York is not the only place with stage shows. No. LA is not the only place that that shoots TV shows and and movies. And no, stuff. Vancouver apparently. Yeah, Vancouver. <laughs> I mean, at this yeah. point, Toronto, Ottawa has a really budding scene. Mm-hmm. But for music, like Nashville's Music City. That's, okay. That's what they call it. Music Interesting. City, which for the longest time meant country music. Nashville was country music. Yeah, yeah, music. yeah. Not anymore. Oh, interesting. It's I did not know that. music. Okay. Uh, particularly for the world of songwriting. Oh. That's where all the songs come out of. Hmm. Nashville songwriters. Why is that? They've just kind of congregated there. Hmm. Um, I think one reason is that it's been traditionally pretty cheap. To live in Nashville. Okay. Like everywhere else, that's changing a little bit right now. But mm-hmm. I was actually house shopping in Nashville about 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. And I and back then I could buy like, you could get whatever you wanted for very cheap. Peanuts. 100 grand maybe. Holy for crap. Like a downtown two bedroom house. Wow. I was looking, I was looking at a farm, a 10 minute drive outside of Nashville with two acres for like 70 grand. Hmm. This was 10 years ago. That, I wonder place, if that's... that place would be sick. That place would be a half million now. Interesting. I should have done it. <laughs> I'd say 2020. Yeah, yeah. Shit. But. Interesting. Yeah. I love Nashville. I go down there. Well, I, I want to say I go down there a lot, but I haven't been down there in about three, four years now. Right. But I used to go down once or twice a year. Hmm. See music, do songwriting with people. Cool. There. I have some songwriting partners down there. Yeah. And the shows, there's always good shows 
happening. Is that right? Whether it's going to see the Grand Old Opry and shows at the Ryman Theater or just mm. club shows, uh, Americana So I have Festa grossly underestimated Nashville. Nashville is what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah. You've mm. got to go down to Nashville. Cool. For sure. Good food, too. Yeah. Really good food. Get some chicken and waffles. Chicken and waffles. So yeah. good. Yeah. They got the best chicken and waffles. So down good. There, but with sure. like a hot sauce maple syrup or what? That uh, kind they of? Usually, they'll usually have like both on the table. Hmm. So you, you create the mix you want. Gotcha. Of hot sauce and maple syrup. Cool. Yeah. And they got lots of hot sauce down there. You want know, spicy. And everybody down there calls you pet names. Oh, really? Honey. <laughs> sugar. <laughs> Uh, sweetheart. Oh, that's the best. Darling. Pumpkin. Yeah. Pumpkin. Yeah, all of them. Little pet names. Cute. Dozen times every day. Every cashier, that every, is super every waitress. Cute. Some Anybody you're asking for directions. Yep. Take a left and then a right there, darling. <laughs> Honey. Sugar, okay. sugar pie. Sugar pie. <laughs> yeah, sugar pie. That's one of my favorites. Love getting called sugar pie down in Nashville. How could you not? Yeah. How could you not love that? Well, I tell you, some people don't like it. I'm okay. There's yeah. this video of Ashley Judd going through an airport mm -hmm. and she got called darling or something like that. By flipped the, out? By the city. Oh yeah, flipped out. Really? A, did a Facebook live stream about how offended she was that wow. the security, car, security guard called her darling or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yikes. I think it's just lost in translation. There is, yeah. Some of that is just... It's colloquialisms. Vernacular, right? Pe that, people being people. Yeah. The way they're used to. Yikes. And That's I think she's Southern too. She's she, a judge. She totally like she's a is. Judd. She's a judge. Winona yep. Judd. And yeah. Did you see she had a really, really terrible accident in uh, in Africa? I think. I had no idea. Yeah, she uh, she nearly died. I I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to laugh about it, but she nearly died. Yeah. Um, she tripped or something going through the jungle. She uh, does some um, advocacy work. Yeah. And uh, tripped, broke her leg in something like eight places or something. And uh, I think broke her femur. And so had to be carted out of the jungle on a backboard and then transported to a hospital on the back of a motorbike. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. There was some, I saw some video of it. I was like, holy crap. That is just like, so she had to have surgery and just got like pins and rods in her leg. And she was on TNG. Was she? Yeah. You remember that? No. no. Yeah, it was, early. was it with Wesley? It was. Yeah. Oh, I do remember. Yeah, yeah. There was a love interest of Wesley. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. Wesley didn't get many love interests. No. <laughs> That's pretty Even good on the Big Bang him, Theory. Too. Even That's on the Big Bang Theory. That's pretty good for him. Ashley Judge, she's cute. Yeah. I do remember that now. Yeah. There are some things filed away in this memory bank that impress me sometimes. I do know that. You know, it, there's there's like two kinds of memory, I find. There's the kind that you're able to just remember on your own, and then the kind that you recall when somebody else brings it up. Yeah, always fun. I have a pretty good memory. I do so not. I'm, I'm usually able to bring up random facts about any kind of thing somebody would bring up to me. I'll, like, I'll spit back a random fact. So that's like Brian. Yeah. Brian has a practically photographic memory, mm -hmm. and I have the opposite. And so we have these conversations and he'll say, don't you remember? No, 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 I don't. <laughs> I remember faces. I don't necessarily remember names. I used to be really good at names. I found I've gotten a lot worse at names. <laughs> I think I just care less. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, is it an age thing or? No, no I don't just think care it's an age less. thing. I just, I just don't bother mm. unless I feel it's important enough. Gotcha. 
No, it's probably really just laziness. See, I get distracted by the, you know, okay, so remember this person's name is, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, shit. What they say what, <laughs> what you're supposed to do is when you first meet somebody, mm-hmm. you have to say their name. Okay. Muscle memory. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you, so Jorge. So-and-so. Jorge. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jorge, like just say right, the repeat name. It. Just, just say it Commit out it loud, memory. which is serves two purposes. One is you remember it better because you've muscle memoried it and said it with your mouth and your tongue and yep. and said it out loud and heard yourself saying it. Mm-hmm. But then it also is supposed to help you socially with that person because they've you've said their name to okay. them a, a number of times and it's supposed to establish one of those little uh, how to win friends and influence people type tricks. Ah, that's say a good the, book. Say their name. Say their name when you meet them. Say their name when you meet them. I'll have to try that. Amy. Matt. I think we're done. Okay. This is fun. That's the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. You're the longest one yet. Oh, I'm good at talking. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Say bye to Amy. Say bye, Amy. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Matt. See you next time on On. Great podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Smith Falls and whoever else out there in the world might be listening to this podcast podcast broadcast from our sleepy little town it was a pleasure talking to amy today and uh we want to hear from you who should we have on next and down the road who do we need to talk to who are the people from smith's falls whose voices should be heard go to sfon.ca check out all our episodes and check us out on facebook on a smith's falls podcast send us a message let us know make a comment say hi Who should we have on the show? We want to know. We want to hear from you. Bye-bye.